Today, we're previewing the White Sox 2022 international signing period and the state of their farm system here on Locked On Sox. You are Locked On White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Sox. I'm your host, Sean Anderson, and on today's episode, we are very excited to be talking about the 2022 international signing period for the Chicago White Sox that's coming up in January. And we're going to talk about the White Sox farm system. A lot of people writing in about possible trades the White Sox can make. But to make those trades, they'll need some assets. And usually in baseball, that equates to prospects. If you're checking out Lockdown White Sox for the first time, thank you so much for giving us a chance. But for those that make Lockdown White Sox your first listen every day, thank you so much. We are free and available on all platforms. Platforms like Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us at Locked on White Sox, and you can follow me, Sean Anderson, the host of Locked on White Sox, on Twitter, at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Today is Wednesday, December 15th. But before we get into the content of today's episode, I do want to take a quick moment to thank you all. My first week of Lockdown White Sox was a huge week, and that's thanks to every one of you that makes Lockdown White Sox your first listen every day. There's a reason that's the read. We are very thankful for you people checking out Lockdown White Sox. Out of the MLB channel, the Lockdown Network, uh, all of the MLB teams, uh, we had the most downloaded show last week. I'm very glad that you're giving me a chance. I'm very glad that Tanny and Herb are giving me this platform that already have has, you know, thousands of dedicated listeners. Um, It shows a lot on White Sox Twitter, and just to see it carry over to the podcasting world is great. Thank you very much for listening. I know it's a tough time to listen to baseball content. Probably makes you sad because of the lockout, but I'm still here, and I'm still going to try to make uh, that, that pain a little bit easier. We'll talk about some prospects. We'll talk about the farm system, and we'll think of some fun stuff, right? What prospects can we trade to get Gliber Torres, Cattell Marte, Aaron Nola, or which one of these prospects at some point might come up and make a big impact on this White Sox team. I'm very excited to have the opportunity to talk to you every single day. It does not get wasted on me how big of an opportunity this is. And I'm so just very, very thankful uh, that you guys have supported me so far through this first week. Thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. Let's move into the 2022 international signing period now. We'll get over all the sappiness. We'll get into the baseball. There's no crying in baseball, right? It's not actually true. There's a lot of crying in baseball. Well, at least in my experience, um, used to stand on the mound, walk a couple guys, really couldn't handle it. Uh, a lot of pressure out there. And, you know, parents for little league games uh, and especially uh, the male parents, uh, they have a very interesting way to communicate. And, uh, you know, it wasn't really great for eight year old to 12 year old me. Um, and I, I definitely cried in baseball. So sorry, Tom Hanks. I let you down. Let's get into the 2022 international signing period. The White Sox are in the tier that gives them a, a, a certain amount of pool money. Right. So and this is all following from uh, futuresocks.com. James Fox did a brilliant in-depth piece previewing the 2022 international signing period. I learned a lot. I'd like to teach you a lot. And I'd like to give James Fox a lot of credit for all the great work that he did uh, putting this together. 
and, and truly all the people over at Future Socks do a great job. James is one of them. And also, I got to give a shout out to my guy, Mike Rankin. They both do brilliant jobs over there and, and all the writers do. Uh, but, but go check out the piece. It's very informative. For those that don't know what the international signing period is, kind of think of it like the draft and a little bit mixed with free agent, right? These are young international players that every team will have an opportunity to sign, right? It's it's how they want to allocate their pool money. You might have heard about pool money before. It is tradable. You can trade some of your pool money. And the pool money is divided up in tiers. Smaller market, go into tier one. Lesser market, go into tier uh, two. Tier three are where the White Sox are. And then I think there's uh, tier four and tier five. Uh, the White Sox are in tier three. And that gives them a pool money of $5,348,100. Um, my girlfriend says that I am very specific with time, right? Like I'll tell her, I'll pick her up at like, 737. She said that's a very straight male thing to do. Um, and I just feel like baseball being a very, 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 very male dominant sport, it, it makes a, a lot of sense that the the pool money would be divided up so specifically to $5,348,100. It just seems like something that my girlfriend would be like, oh, yeah, that sounds like something a guy would do. Uh, to, to put the pool money at that specific of an amount. Anyways, the White Sox, with that $5,348,100, they are expected to spend half of that on Oscar Colas. They are expected to sign Oscar Colas on January 15th. That is the day of international signing period starting. Uh, they are expected to sign him on January 15th to a contract worth $2.7 million. Again, that's half the team's pool money. He's a 6'1", 210-pound outfielder. He is a left-handed bat. Some reports, and this is according to James, have him up to 220. He has been called the Cuban Otani, but he stopped pitching. And you look at the way that he's graded as a prospect, 55 grade for hit, run, arm, fielding, and he has a 60 grade for power. Think of 50 being average. So he's a little bit above average at hitting, running. Uh, he's got an above average arm and he's an above average fielder. And his power, his, his, his grade 60 power means that his power is a plus tool, right? So he does about everything else to an average MLB level. And he's a little bit better at, at right now uh, in the power department. He is 23 years old, so there is room and time for him to get better, but he's somewhat close to a, a, a more finished product than some of the players that we'll talk about. He's had some professional experience. He's played overseas, and he's also played a lot in the Cuban League. The White Sox have made a lot of splashes like this recently. It's somewhat similar to the Cespedes signing. It's not shocking that they're going to their Cuban roots and going after Colas. The reports from and the reports about Colas when he was younger really touted up the two-way aspect. James Fox says that's really not going to happen. He's mostly going to be a fielder. He's going to be a position player. Um, the dreams of him throwing 95 from the left-hand side might happen in a Matt Davis situation, but it looks like Colas will try to make it work as an outfielder. And obviously with all prospects, it's a wait-and-see situation, but this is at least a big signing for the White Sox because this is a huge name in this prospect ranking. He is a, a He's one of the top players that was available for them to sign in this signing period. And if the White Sox have gained my trust in anything, it's in the international department. Marco Patti is one of the best in the league in any front office at looking and finding international players. Look at the roster. It shows you how good he is. But Jose Abreu, that's Marco Patti. 
Luis Robert, that is Marco Patti, Cespedes, Colas, him building up these guys over and over again, that is Marco Patti. Same with Fernando Testis Jr. If he wasn't, you know, the reason why he was in the farm system to begin with was Marco Patti. So I, I, I trust the White Sox here. Can Will Colas be on the White Sox team at, at some point in his career? It's possible. I'd probably say wait until he's 25. Right now he's 23. I'd say he's probably about two years away if he's able to start in 2022. He'd probably start in 2022, maybe at double A, and then try to work his way up. Possibly he can make it up to the league in 2023, but I think that'd be a really quick timeline. I'd expect him to at least get a full year uh, down in the minors, especially starting probably at Birmingham. We can go next, and what else will they do with the other half of that money, right? 2.7 on Colas. Well, there is uh, reports, and this is again from James Fox, that while the White Sox have signed older Cuban players, Cespedes and Colas were both over 23 years old. Those were the two biggest gets for them recently. Under the stewardship of Marco Patti, my guy, uh, one of the criticisms of their approach has been the lack of high upside teenagers. That's about to change with Eric Hernandez, who might be the highest upside swing they've taken on a teenager since inking Fernando Tatis Jr. The 16-year-old Dominican outfielder hits and throws left-handed, and he's expected to receive a bonus of at least $1.7 million. That puts the White Sox up to a spending budget of about uh, $3.7 million, and again, uh, they're around $5.3. So they still have $1.7 million unaccounted for. But to talk a little bit about Eric Hernandez, this is what James Fox has to say. He's six feet tall, 175, and has drawn some pretty lofty comparisons to national star Juan Soto. So I don't know much about him. I've never seen Eric Hernandez play. 16 is very, very young, but you think of Juan Soto. Juan Soto came up as an 18-year-old, and the White Sox almost signed him. I believe they're about $200,000 from matching the Nationals contract, and that was the difference that made him sign uh, with the Nationals, was that money difference. The White Sox could have had Juan Soto, and he chose to go to the Nationals just because of money. And I I don't think that was anything the White Sox shortchanged him or anything like that, but he was very, 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 very close to signing with the Chicago White Sox. Will Eric Hernandez be that? I'm not really sure, but it is very, 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 very exciting for them taking a shot at such a young player with high potential. And the final thing we're going to talk about, and this is all in James Fox's piece on futuresocks.com, what is the 1.7 else, the other 1.7 that is unaccounted for going to be used on January 15th? One name to look out for is Cesar Prieto. He is an infielder in Cuba. He just defected and he will be available in this signing period. And he said, James Fox said, a source has indicated to Future Sox that the White Sox International Scouting Department has some level of interest in Prieto, but the player may not be ready to commit from what the club has left despite their rich Cuban history. That's what to look out for, at least on January 15th. So we're building up. We're a month away. And it looks like the White Sox will get Oscar Colas. It looks like they're getting a very interesting piece in Eric Hernandez, a 16-year-old Dominican outfielder. And according to James Fox, there's still some names to look out for with the remaining pool money the White Sox have not committed to players yet. So keep a lookout on that and file James Fox. uh, Make sure that you're on top of his Twitter account, because if you want to know the up-to-date, most up-to-date information on White Sox prospects, James is working his sources and trying to find everything that he can uh, out for you. So definitely go and follow James Fox. You can follow him on Twitter at James Fox. 917. That's at J-A-M-E-S-F-O-X-917. Next on Locked on Sox, we'll be talking about the White Sox farm system. 
This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and they're high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. There's so many flavors, and everyone has their favorite. When Tanny and Herb were the host of Locked on Socks, they were always bringing Built Bars into the 670 The Score studios. They were bringing in the raspberry one, the double chocolate one, the cherry one, the mint brownie one, the cookies and cream one. I saw it all. Tanny's favorite flavor was the German chocolate cake. They have some limited drops that you do want to check out, you don't want to miss. And with the holiday season around, it's fun to stuff your stockings with Built Bars. There are so many different flavors, all covered with chocolate, and they taste so good, you won't believe that they're filled with protein. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Again, Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. All right, White Sox fans, it's already been an interesting offseason, and it won't be long before pitchers and catchers report. I'm going to give you the inside track on the absolute best fantasy baseball platform in the industry. It's Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable MLB fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy expert for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Go deep with the ultimate keeper and dynasty leagues, create a simple redraft league, or even a customizable best ball league with up to 2,000 teams. Coming from another service, Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. Among the most trusted names in fantasy sports since 2008, Fantrax invites you to sign up today for free. If you do, you'll be entered to win an official MLB signed Fernando Tatis Jr. Baseball. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash locked on and use promo code Tatis when you sign up to be eligible to win. Don't miss this opportunity. Sign up today to win an official MLB-signed Fernando Tatis Jr. baseball. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash LockedOn and use the promo code Tatis. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Play ball. We are back here on Locked On White Sox. Thank you for making Locked On White Sox your first listen each and every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Been reading up a lot some great reading in, in, in the White Sox universe. You have futuresocks.com, all your prospect information, and then Sox Machine for your just general overview of everything White Sox. And Jim Margulis had a recent piece about Baseball America and them releasing their top 10 for the White Sox farm system and what it could mean. And I think it speaks to some of the stuff I was telling you about how the White Sox need to bolster their farm system before they start taking shots at guys like Cattell Marte or Gliber Torres or Aaron Nola. If they don't have the right amount of prospects, the current system, I don't think, will get it done. And I think that's why I've thought about taking Craig Kimbrell, trading him somewhere, getting prospects, and then building up the system so then you could then unload maybe some of the players that you just got uh, to, to improve your farm system and what you could offer teams. And one way that Jim put it, and I thought it was perfect, and the title of this article is Baseball America Takes First Shot at Sorting murky White Sox prospect picture, and he summed it up, Jim did, perfectly in the article. And this is what he said, I'm anticipating a lack of consensus, which is typically a bad thing, since the prospects who generate widespread agreement are usually the ones headlining seismic trades. The Sox don't appear to have such a needle mover in the bunch, 
which is absolutely true. I don't think the Sox right now have a true needle mover. People want to put Jake Berger in as the biggest piece prospect-wise uh, in, in a trade, right? Craig Kimbrell, Berger, plus rest of garbage, right? Jake Berger is not a guy that I think can truly headline a trade. He's a guy that doesn't really have a lot of defensive staying power. Third base, he can't make headway right now because Yon Moncada's there. He really can't play second base. He's not light enough. First base, I don't think he's given too much of a try at. And even then, right now, especially in the White Sox system, there's no place for him to play. And first basemen are usually the easiest to find. They're just, you got to find the hitter and, you know, hopefully the defense is there with a lot of great first basemen. I know you people watched Jose Abreu before that MVP season. He was a horrible fielder. And that's why people thought that contract was such a bad idea because the hitting might stay there for a couple of years, but the fielding's going to go down. Jose put a lot of work into becoming a better fielder and improving his fielding. Uh, you know, Jake Berger needs to improve his fielding. He's had a lot of injuries that he's had to deal with. It's kept him off the field and he didn't, hasn't looked bad, right? I, 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 you know, seeing him up in the major leagues and seeing him a little bit down in Charlotte, he hasn't looked bad in the infield, but he doesn't look like a gold glover, a true, you know, 55, 60 grade uh, with the glove. He's about average to a little bit below average. And you look at the top 10, Bill Mitchell of Baseball America's top 10 for the White Sox. Number one, Colson Montgomery, their recent first round draft pick. Number two, Yolki Cespedes, the uh, international signing, the big international signing from last period, the brother of uh, Ioannis. I don't know why I forgot Ioannis's name. Third, they have Norhe Vera, the Cuban pitcher. You can reach 100 miles per hour. Uh, go watch him. Go watch a video of him pitching. Uh, he's something really, really special. Fourth, they have Wes Cass, the second uh, round pick for the White Sox. They're kind of, the, you know, he was a part of the uh, second round of the White Sox signing uh, a big, you know, first rounder uh, with their with their draft pick and then giving a lot of money in the second round to some players that are first round talents. You could see that in 2020, they take Garrett Crochet in the first round and in the second round, they use a lot of money uh, to, to sign Jared Kelly, the, the high schooler. And, and they did the same thing in, in this draft in 2021. Colson Montgomery, their number one prospect, draft him in the first round. West Cath gets a big bonus first round talent uh, in the second round from the White Sox. And that leads to them now, you know, that's where at least Bill Mitchell sees their top four prospects coming is that change in draft strategy. Then fifth, he has Jose Rodriguez. Jose Rodriguez is a very interesting piece, uh, a great write up uh, in, in by Jim Shocker. Again, uh, it was last week. He talked about three pieces that could bolster the White Sox depth chart. They're Gavin Sheets. It was uh, Rami Gonzalez. And one of them was uh, Jose Rodriguez. Rodriguez split. Uh, time last year in 2021 uh, between A ball, Advanced A, and Double A, and kind of you know didn't have enough time in Birmingham to get enough of a feel. But you see what he did in Winston Salem. You see what he did at Canapolis. A lot of power that I don't think uh, the White Sox expected him to have. And he's a second baseman. He's a shortstop. He's a third baseman. And the biggest thing too, he's 20 years old right now. He was a international signing when he was 18. So talking a little bit back uh, from the first segment and thinking of Eric Hernandez, one of the younger players, the fact that the White Sox have this guy that was an international signing in Jose Rodriguez and performing is huge. It's 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 a big sign for the White Sox ability to uh, identify young international prospects and be able to develop them. Very interesting to see what uh, Rodriguez will do as a 21-year-old, and it's great to see him up at fifth. And to wrap up the list at sixth, uh, Bill Michaels listed Andrew Dahlquist. At seventh, he listed Jake Berger. At eighth, he listed Jared Kelly. Ninth, Sean Burke. 
and 10th, Matthew Thompson. A lot of pitchers in there, Dahlquist, Kelly, Burke, Thompson, all pitchers. Uh, Jake Berger, again, him at 7th really worries me. It's his age that I think really kills him. He did show well up in the major leagues. I was happy with his performance, but the fact that he is 25 years old, going to be 26 in April, that's going to kill him. I mean, it's really tough for a prospect uh, to have that much of a ceiling when I mean, he's, he's a year away from 27. I mean, that's when you're hitting your prime. So Jake Berger is probably going to be off this list soon. And hopefully when he's off that list, he's ready to be an MLB player. And it would be great because what a wonderful story. But, uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to be with the White Sox, but the question is, how do other people view him? This is a great look to see how other people view him. The seventh prospect in a very weak farm system, I don't think is going to be the second piece of a Gliber Torres trade, at least for Jake Berger. And this is what this top 10's telling me. Next on Lockdown White Sox, I put a poll up on Twitter to get the thoughts of people on Tony La Russa. And I have some thoughts that I would like to bring to you next here on Lockdown Sox. BetOnline has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website at betonline.ag to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. I am Sean Anderson, and this is Locked On Socks. Thank you so much for listening to your daily White Sox fill. I'm so excited to be able to bring this to you. And I'm also excited uh, that I think my my sound has been fixed. I really got into the habit of taking everything out of my closet and then sitting in it to record my podcast. But I've installed some soundproofing, a.k.a. leaving in some of my clothes so there's less stuff for the sound to bounce off of. So I got some polos behind me. I got some jackets in front of me. And hopefully that helped the sound. A little bit. I'm trying to give you the best quality podcast I can, and I hope you appreciate it because that's what Lockdown Sox fans deserve and White Sox fans in general deserve. If you gotta go back to the Monday mailbag, there was a question from Matt Noclon about my thoughts on Tony LaRusa. And you know, I, I I ended up saying let's agree to disagree, but I do want Matt to get his his final counterpoint point, and this will be my final counterpoint. But Matt rewrote in and he said Thanks for putting in my comment on the air. We'll have to disagree here on La Russa, but that's okay. I do agree the magical trade was bad one for the Sox. I enjoy your show and have listened to every episode so far where you are the host. I just ran into Lockdown Sox the last day of Tanny and Herb's show. Anyways, thanks. I'm looking forward to 30 minutes a day of fun time, ritual listening to your show, keeping up on our beloved Shy Sox. Anyways, see you at the Rusty Nail for a brew and a Sox game. Uh, go Sox, Matt from Oakland. Thank you, Matt, for listening. And thanks for sending that in and agree to disagree. And I'm trying to figure out where people stand on Tony La Russa. I, I put out a Twitter poll after Matt sent me this message. And I basically said, you know, what'd you think of Tony La Russa in 2021? I'll, I, the exact wording I had was, did you like Tony La Russa as the manager in 2021? If yes, feel free to respond with what you liked about his return. Results shared on Wednesday's episode of Lockdown Sacks. That's today. 14.4% uh, people said yes. 59% of people said no, and 26.6% were indifferent. 139 votes 
in total. Some of the responses, we'll start off first with a positive response. This person liked Tony La Russa. Uh, Coach Ryan18 on Twitter, he said, The positive feedback you heard from players throughout the season has me sold. Expected him to be atrocious for this team, but from all accounts, the players genuinely love playing for him. It's all about getting them to play hard together and have a winning mindset. I thought those were fair points when I first read them, and he's right. There were a lot of, uh, there wasn't a lot of dissent coming out of the White Sox locker room about Tony La Russa. There was some issues, there were some problems, but overall, nothing big. Where you know Tony La Russa was an issue, or players had issues with Tony specifically. It seemed like there was, you know, the the whole May and uh, uh, May and June part was a little bit murky with. You know some of the base running decisions and some of the bullpen decisions, and obviously the Ermin Mercedes Mercedes stuff made this a little bit murky. But for the most part, I would agree with Ryan that players did seem to like Tony Larusa, and that's fair. You know, I I was worried about them getting rid of Rick, Ricky Renteria, a guy that it seemed like the locker room absolutely loved, and that Ricky loved those players. Ricky was doing a lot with those players. It seemed like he had a real true bond with those guys. I was worried about losing that. Um, and Ryan at least made the point that it seemed like the players liked him, and I have no reason to hate your boss. You listening out there, right? You may dislike your boss. I know a lot of people dislike their boss, but I don't hate your boss. I don't know your boss, and I think it might be a little bit weird for me to sit here and hate Tim Anderson's boss, right? And I don't work for Tony LaRussa. Tim Anderson does. If Tim Anderson likes him, whatever, that's fine. I worry more about the behind-the-scenes stuff of, you know, was Rick Hahn overstepped by his owner, right? Did Was this a director, direction from Jerry Reinsdorf? Hey, let's hire Tony La Russa because he's my buddy and I want him to win a World Series for me. That was my worry, but at least seeing the players be like, no, Tony's chill. Tony's fine. Uh, that was a good sign. So good point there made by Ryan. We'll go next to at drunk shy Sox fan uh, on Twitter a.k.a. Stevo of Sons of Honarchy. He wrote in and said, answer was indifferent while some minor adjustments could have been made. Example, bullpen usage and shifting. Tony didn't lose the ALDS. It comes down to performance and talents. Sox got to get better and deeper. If you've been listening to the podcast, and I know Steve-O mentions that he has been, and we appreciate Steve-O, and go listen to Sons of Honarchy. I know they got a great show over there. Steve-O and Hot Take Tommy do a fantastic job. And you know, Steve-O's right. Tony did not lose them the ALDS. They lost that because they were not prepared and the Astros were prepared. And Lucas G. Lito talked about that before. I mentioned that comment. I don't think Tony lost them the ALDS. I think they had worse talent and I think that they weren't ready. Can Tony done a better job during the ALDS? Yes, but he didn't lose them the ALDS and Steve-O's absolutely right there. One final response I want to share, and it's from Schultze on Twitter. And he said, started no, got to indifferent, and then back to no. I asked him what turned him back to no, and he said, the frustration with how he handled the bullpen after the trade deadline, the way he managed Kimbrell was malpractice in my opinion. Someone in the Sox organization failed him, and TLR did him no favors. The way the team rallied after all the big injuries was special. He deserves credit for that. But yeah, in the end, the bullpen stuff at the end. I agree with Schultze here. And I think that's kind of where I end up being. I think I am a no. I don't like the job that he did in 2021. And he does deserve credit for some things. This team still won 93 games. It's still team. This team still made it to the playoffs. And this team won the AL Central. They didn't win the AL Central in 2021. That was a step up. So Tony La Russa wasn't all bad. And I thought I'd kind of honestly lean towards more indifference. But at the end of the day, 
Tony La Russa was hired to win a World Series for the White Sox. And they didn't have a different result at the end of the day, the end of the season, than when Ricky Renteria was their manager. And I have to look back on October and November, and now I question the hierarchy and the power structure of the White Sox. And you think about what they went through with the DUI and the questioning all leading up to opening day. It seemed like a headache for nothing changing. It seemed like the White Sox honestly even took some steps back. I don't like that the fact that their shifting went down. I don't like the way that Tony managed the bullpen. I think that he did a great job of keeping the status quo. But I do wonder about his drive, and I wonder about his ability to push this team because I don't know if he has the ability to push himself. What is Tony LaRusso's driving factor here? He's won three World Series. He is a Hall of Famer. He has the third most managerial wins in MLB history. Tony LaRusso has already proven that he is a great manager. But again, there's a reason he retired in 2011. I think his career might have been done. Obviously, it's still going on. But I think that was a really good way to ride off into the sunset. And I don't know if Tony is going to have as clean of an ending as we'd all hope he would uh, in a White Sox uniform. I, I hope that Tony LaRusso wins a World Series. I hope that in October or November, probably be November of 2022, I'm sitting here and and just eating my words and calling him a four-time World Series champion. And I think that all of us want that. But this is the lockout, and I am stuck here just trying to think and make sense of the White Sox. And I don't think Tony LaRusso, as the manager right now, makes a ton of sense. But at the end of the day, what am I going to do about it? And at the end of the day... If the White Sox win, I don't care. So, hey, go win, Tony. I'm rooting for you. Doesn't change whether I liked you in 2021 or didn't, whether you know 59% of White Sox fans, or at least 59% of White Sox fans that were on my Twitter, and that's out of a group of 139, didn't like your job in 2021. It doesn't matter. You know, I, I would like to see changes made in 2022. And if those changes are made, I could see myself being indifferent to Tony LaRusa. So maybe one day Matt and I will join up at the Rusty Nail and we'll be indifferent about Tony La Russa uh, together. Or maybe we'll just agree to disagree uh, about Tony La Russa. But at the end of the day, we can all agree uh, on Go Sox. Thank you all for listening to Lockdown White Sox. If you make this your first listen each and every day, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. We are free and available on all platforms. I will talk to you tomorrow. Now go make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. I'll talk to you tomorrow on Locked on Socks.